Fucking back, man. Um, it's been a long week, uh, interesting week. Let's get this introductions out of the way. He only makes love to women while standing up in a hammock. It's Mr. Rob Fortune. Thank you for that introduction. And now I'd like to introduce this man. He may be married, but the beat goes on. It's Chronic Masturbator Jomo. That's that's correct. Um, thank you, Rob. That that makes. I, I want to tell you a story with that one. Um, so you have to be your own pimp um to yourself Mm -hmm. so sometimes Mm -hmm. you're just gonna have to jerk off and this is called a war okay so if you got a problem with your uh with your spouse whatever just jerk off just just jerk off Mm -hmm. there's there's side hoe is an option i'm uh because i'm live on Mm -hmm. air i'm not gonna say whether or not i agree or not or disagree with it but (laughs) i would say that jerking off is the option it's the ultimate option it it, it Mm -hmm. keeps people in check and then you know what you just you just Fuck, fuck off. You know what I'm saying? You know, just do your own thing. But anyway, your power back. Exactly, bro. Exactly. They're not in charge. You're in charge. And this is why we should repeal the 14th Amendment. Okay. Anyway. All right. I don't know where I went with that one, but uh, is it the 19th Amendment? I want to say it's the 19th Amendment. I don't want people to think I'm a racist. Misogynist is okay. (laughs) Misogyny is okay, but not racism. Racism is bad. I don't like it. True. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But we misogyny is okay. Anyway. So. Let's get this introduction out of the way. Is Mr. Jack Falcon? No, I'm just joking. So what if he sucks dick? It's Mr. Jack Falcon. <clears throat> Hello. How's How everyone doing today? Good. It's cold as balls outside. That's not sure bad. is. Yeah, it's raining where I'm at. Which not for it, Jomo, it, yeah. it, never, it never rains in California, but it's been raining for days. What's the temp outside over there? Uh, it's in the 60s. Since yeah, it's pretty nice. Yeah. It's like it's like when I came home yesterday, it was like fourteen. I'm like, yeah, it's fuck pretty fucking me. cold. <laughs> I, so yeah. yeah, I don't know if I want to move back to Mass. And I think that's that's a niche. Yeah, it's fifty nine degrees, sixty degrees outside right now. Yeah, yeah, that's nice. That's nice. Paradise. It's gonna be in the seventies next weekend for us. So, you wow. got a pool or what? No, man. No, I don't. I don't have a mm. pool. I I I got money, but I'm not like fucking big ball. California is the biggest ripoff of all time. Oh yeah, of course. Like like I wish I wish terrible things on this state after I leave. Once I leave, okay. Like everything bad can happen after I leave. It's just it's a terrible fucking state, man. Yeah, abandon ship and then let the, let let it sink. Yeah. Just get off of it first. Yeah, absolutely. I hear you. Absolutely. You're paying top dollar to live in paradise. That's true. I got I got told to be here. I didn't fucking. Uh, <laughs> I, I didn't. Yes. I didn't pay out of my own fucking uh, volition to fucking come out here. Trust me on that one, buddy. Yeah, it wasn't your dream to live in California. Yeah, no, not California's at all. nice, but they tax out the ass and the place sucks. And there's why is there so much shit everywhere? People are just shitting on the ground everywhere. Like there's maps of California where, where there's just like piles of shit. That's everywhere. Yeah. That's New York. That's fucking that, everywhere. It's not everywhere. I've never walked down the street and I'm avoiding piles of human shit, but I hear stories from friends in Boston who say that fucking it's, it's getting bad. You think so? Yeah. Maybe they are shitting on the ground in Boston. It makes sense. And in back Bay, which is like almost like exclusively white neighborhood where like, you know, the the, (laughs) the hard R is set indoors. Um, (laughs) 
Okay. Not, I said indoors, <laughs> not outdoors. All right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Mm-hmm. All right. What are we doing today? <laughs> we're looking at four jazz albums. Oh, fuck yeah. Uh, we're doing, let me pull up the thing. Let's take a look here. We're doing uh, Buddy Rich, uh, Big Swing Face. We're doing uh, Jaco Pastorius, uh, Word of Mouth. Not to be confused with word of mouth by Ludacris. <laughs> uh, Charlie Parker, the magnificent Charlie Parker, and then Miles Davis with Kind of Blue. Mm. So four of the more well-known musicians, and um, mostly, like, I don't know too much about um, these guys. Oh, like one thing I want to say is, if you look up any of these artists, their resume of music is fucking insane. Like, even like posthumously, they have like dozens of records that come out for some of these guys. So they're like their music fucking resume is ridiculous. So uh, like kind of blue is definitely like uh, probably like that quintessential Miles Davis album that everybody talks about. But as far as like Charlie Parker, the magnificent Charlie Parker is kind of like a collection of things. It's not like one, uh, you know, full album or whatever. And then um, word of mouth is and then uh, Big Swing Face is like a live show. So it's. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if people would be like, oh, yeah, Buddy Rich, that's the one to listen to. I, I don't fucking know, but it is good, but it's it's live. So there, at least two of these are going to be staples, and two of them, people might be like, oh, yeah, there's a way better one to listen to than that, but I don't know. Who knows? Who gives a shit anyway? Um, Is everyone ready to start? What, what should we do? Yeah. Yeah, let's, uh, let's spin the wheel. I got the wheel ready. Bro, this episode is brought to you by Meatspin.com. If you watch it 69 times, Jackson Dubois comes over your house and sucks your cock. Nice. I I hate you. Okay, Leonard Miles Davis. Mm, Let me drop the artwork. Drop that shit. All right. So, oh, by the way, all this information comes from Wikipedia. So, uh, I don't know who puts the stuff together over there, but props to them. All of these people, all of these artists we're going to talk about, their Wikipedia pages, like not necessarily the individual albums pages, but they're the, the, the artists, their fucking pages are gigantic. You could like spend a whole day reading that shit. Uh, so if you want to know more about these people, go over there and read it. There's a lot of good information on there. Um, yeah. All right. So we're going to talk about kind of blue. Uh, it's a five track record released in 1959 coming in just over, uh, under 46 minutes long. It's miles fifth studio album and 28th released overall. Uh, blue was recorded on March 2nd and April 22nd, 1959 at Columbia's 30th street studio in New York city for the recording. Davis led a sextet featuring saxophonist, John Coltrane and Julian cannonball Adderley, a pian- pianist, Bill Evans, bassist, Paul chambers and drummer, Jimmy Cobb with new band pianist, Witten Kelly appearing on one track, Freddie Freeloader in place of Evans influenced in part by Evans who joined the ensemble in 1958 Davis departed further from his early hard bop style in favor of a greater uh, experimentation with musical uh, modes, as on his previous album, 1958's Milestones. Uh, uh, Basing Kind of Blue entirely on uh, modality, he gave each performer a set of scales that encompassed uh, the parameters of their improvisation and style, and consequently more creative freedom with melodies. Coltrane later expanded on this modal approach in his own solo career. Uh, We'll talk about that when we get to him. Um, let's see, uh, Davis called for almost no rehearsal, uh, and the musicians had 
little idea what, what they were to record. As described in the original liner notes by pianist Bill Evans, Davis had only given the band sketches of scales and melody lines uh, on which to improvise. Once the musicians were assembled, Davis gave brief instructions for each piece and then set to taping the sextet in studio. While the results were impressive with so little preparation, uh, the persistent legend is that the entire album was recorded with one pat. Uh, excuse me, the persistent legend that the entire album was recorded in one pass is untrue. Only flamenco sketches yielded a complete take on the first try. That take, which is not the master, was added to the 1997 CD reissue of the album uh, as a bonus track. The five master takes issued were the only other complete takes. Late in his life, uh, from the electric period on, Davis repeatedly disregarded his earlier work, such as uh, the music of Birth of Cool and Kind of Blue, and Davis's view remaining uh, static stylistically was the wrong option. So what or Kind of Blue they are done in that era, the right hour, the right day, and it happened. It's over. Uh, what I used to play with Bill Evans, all those different modes and substitute chords, we had the energy then and we liked it, but I have no feel for it anymore. It's more like warmed over turkey. Uh, kind of Blue is regarded by many critics as Davis's masterpiece, the greatest jazz album ever recorded and one of the best albums of all time. Its impact on music, including jazz, rock, and classical genres, has led to writers uh, to also deem it one of the most influential albums ever made. It was one of the 50 recordings chosen in 2002 by the Library of Congress for the inaugural year of the National Recording Registry. In early September 1991, Davis checked into St. John's Hospital near his home in Santa Monica, California for routine tests. Doctors suggested he have a a tracheal tube implanted to relieve his breathing after repeated bouts of bronchial pneumonia. Uh, the suggestion provoked an outburst from Davis that led to an intracerebral hemorrhage followed by a coma. After several days on life support, uh, his machine was turned off and he died on September 28, 1991. He was 65 years old. Kind of Blue has been certified five times platinum. Rob, what do you think of Kind of Blue? Um, so I'm, 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 I have a, a rant I'm going to say about jazz in general. I'm going to save it for whatever I talk about next, I think. So, um, I like Miles Davis quite a bit. Um, but I like, yeah. So, so back to like his, his, like, uh, uh Miles himself saying like, okay, we made this record that that's what we felt at the time we were doing. We were heavy into substitution chords, all that. Uh, but that came and went, you know, in, I want to say that this is one of the things I love about jazz and jazz musicians. You know, I think, I think I know a lot of, uh, you know, people I've met in like the, the punk rock scene, for example, not to pick on them, but like, I know a lot of people who are, have like one idea of what is acceptable music and they never venture outside of that. And some of them have been playing in the same punk band for like 25 years. And it's like, yo, you never had any interest in doing anything else. Like, is, is I don't know if that's insane to anyone else, but it's insane to me. So when, when I hear that Miles Davis, like went through these, uh, these these phases like he's into this and and, and then like he, he uh this album uh kind of blue there what you were saying is he was he got really into modality here so it's it's no longer you pick like this song is in g major it's like you know at, at, at this point it's in g major and then we pivot and then we're in a different scale like a mixolydian scale and then that you like and then there's another pivot thing and then you're in this fucking scale uh so like that that like and that that was like the structure that they had there so there wasn't very much like agreement as to what was happening so first of all that's one of the things that i love about uh jazz uh 
And one of the things that mystified me about it, I understand it a little bit better today. I'm going to talk about that when I talk about Charlie Parker. But uh, yeah, so like for him to be in this certain phase and then for, for, for you to record it and then to move on to the next thing, I love that. Like uh, Charles Mingus is one of my favorites. I think he's one that was like, uh, okay, me and my band, uh, we're really into fucking metronomes. If you can't play to a metronome, you're not in my band. I'm fucking kicking you out. I'll find someone better who can fucking do it. And then like the next record, he's like, fuck metronomes, fuck anyone who does it. I've like we we're fucking looser than that. We get better sound by by so fuck the metronome. And like to me, that's not being a hypocrite. That's like being true to yourself. I mean, me personally, the like what I'm into, like what my favorite fucking music thing it was four years ago, isn't my favorite thing anymore and especially as a creative person you know tossing out the old formula and bringing in the new formula that's my fucking shit so like i i fucking love that story i fuck yeah but as far as is this my favorite miles davis record no it isn't i think B bitches brew is my favorite i mean i think um my hippie friends really love the, the the bitches brew era i think that's probably more of like a psychedelic record um I think like uh, you know most of my friends are potheads. They'll they'll fucking smoke and put that on. I you know I I I I assume I I'm the same way, but I don't smoke. It's just like I'll I'll put that record on and I I'm fucking I want to fucking design something. You know what I mean? I, I feel like my brain like uh, shoots up fifty IQ. Um, so but yeah, uh, this this album is kind of slow. Um, so I don't know. I, I, I think my favorite jazz is a little bit faster than this and a little bit. And I don't I don't like I don't have a favorite melody on this, which, you know, hearing that there was like basically nothing written. There was just like chords. You, you, I, that makes total fucking sense to me that there's not like one melody that leaps out to me on this record. So I'm, I'm going to say A for effort, but I'm giving it fourth place for the week. I like all, all the other ones better than this one. That's it. Okay. Yeah. You reminded me of a meme that I saw. It was like a dad and it has like his, his arm over his son's shoulders and the, the, the son's like, dad, is it weird that I still believe in Santa? And the dad says, no son, I still listen to punk rock. Ooh. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> Ooh, <got it. laughs> anyway. Yeah. So this is definitely, it's, it's not like the crazy bebop stuff that exists um i don't know exactly who's credited with starting bebop like that's when jazz goes like fucking off the rails and nuts this is a, a, a much slower record this to me this is number one for the week for me only because i've loved this record for <laughs> a long loser. long time when i so i don't know if joe like okay we met jomo way later in life i knew rob back in high school and in high school i was in the jazz band like i want to make it clear i wasn't good at jazz but i was in the jazz band and um when you get into the jazz band they they give you a book called a real book and it has 400 or whatever songs in it and they're all like jazz staples so everyone has a book for the key that they for the instrument that they play in and then you all play together uh i'm pretty sure this entire album is in that fucking real book and when just listening to any of these songs like i haven't listened to kind of blue in a while probably the last time i listened to this was like in like the early like the mid 2000s after i was like out of high school and stuff i would listen to it periodically but i haven't gone back to it in a while and just like from the first note of like all these songs i'm like oh yeah of course like how how could i ever forget about this song uh it always takes me back and um yeah so this album is less about song quantity and more about just like playing off of each other now i was under the impression so like it was saying before a lot of people think that this was recorded uh 
it, when when I think of this record, it's like okay, these guys are at the top of their game. Uh, they're they're buddies. They've probably collaborated a bunch of times before. They're getting together. This was recorded uh, over two different days, so God only knows how how uh, many times they played the songs. Now these songs are like most of them are like ten minutes long. So uh, there's one that's a, a little shorter, but for the most part, they're around that again. So this is more of like a. A, a, a lengthy record where people are just playing around each other and everything. And it, it's really good. It's done really well. But I was under that, like, when I think about this, to me, it's like this legendary album that everything they ever did was perfect. One take in and out and they nailed it. And unfortunately it, it isn't that not taking away from it, but uh, it, it was weird for me to see that. Cause I was like, okay, yeah, I, it, 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 I don't know. It makes me think about it like a little different, not like I like it any less, but I, I've always thought that that is how this whole thing was working. Anyway, um, so, oh yeah, back to the jazz band thing. So when I played in jazz band for the first year, there was, it was very small. Like, I guess no one cared about jazz band or some shit. There was one person per instrument, one trumpet player, one saxophone player, one drummer, one piano player, one singer, uh, who also played something else. I can't remember what instrument she played flute, some, some shit. I don't know. And then, uh, me playing guitar. The thing of it, like that group got really tight together and we would jam five days a week at school and then we would like play live shows or whatever the next year though uh so half of the people left because they were a year older and new people came in but tons of people came in so now there were two drummers there were two piano players there were two people who wanted to sing there were four guitar players there were three trumpet players and people all couldn't play together so you lost that dynamic of like being this tight group that always played together and uh it was never the same but like i still think about that first year because like even though i was the worst member of the band i was still a part of the band someone has to be lars ulrich right that's fine yeah. whatever <laughs> I i'll be him in the jazz band that's fine and i've run into those guys like every now and then i'll see him at a bar or like i'll i ran into one of them at a house party but I don't know. It was like a really good time. And like, you get to, you get to listen to the, this week. We listened to albums from the fifties, uh, from the eighties and from the sixties. And you can see kind of like where jazz is changing or where they're going back to some of the things that they did before or whatever. And it's, it's cool to see that. And especially like when you're, you know, in high school in the 2000, it's very, when you're listening to Guns N' Roses and like Blink-182, it's very possible you've never listened to Miles Davis before. So like someone, when you get into jazz band, they put the, the book in front of you and you start playing it and you hear what people are playing and riffing off each other and stuff. And you start listening to the music and like diving into it. And it like opens like a whole world for you. So yeah, it was a great time. The, the second year was fine as well, but like the first one was just like untouchable. It was like the magic time where no one had to sit out. There was no second string. I mean, even though I was second string, there was no one to be first string. So I got bumped onto mm -hmm. the field. And yeah, it was a great time. I think about it a lot. And um, yeah, it was it a was good musical experience in my formative years. Uh, Jomo, uh, what do you think of uh, Kind of Blue? Okay, how, what do I feel about Kind of Blue? Um, listen, I'm not a Miles Davis guy, okay? Um, this shit, though, did give me some feels. It's a little bit slower. Um, I'm, I'm not a trumpet guy, bro. To me, if you play the trumpet, that's equal to playing the skin flute. Um, this Okay. Album, it, it, but it's crazy. Like, I'm, I'm looking at statistics for this fucking album, right? This fucking... This... Album alone in the U.S. sold five million fucking units, bro. How do you? Yeah. How do you get five million people to listen to jazz? First off, um, right. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't know. Um, I didn't know people uh, who listen to jazz had any worldly possessions at all. Um, to, to to me, okay. Like, I, all right. I'm wasting a lot of time. The, no, you're not wasting time. I know what you're saying. Yeah. This to me, like John Coltrane, bro, is like a spaz. Like he's on this album. He's playing the fucking saxophone. He's a complete spaz. He's out there. 
I, I like it. It's kind of like um, the more I listen to it, it reminds me of scrolling through Pornhub like endlessly to, you know, you get to page 78 and next thing you know, you're watching a gay gangbang and it's just like, oh shit, like I'm gay now. Yeah. Um, uh, unfortunately, this music, like this whole album was just a little too mellow for me. It didn't have my tempo. Uh, I appreciate the work. Uh, these men put in a lot of fucking work for it. Uh, six for 10 album. Uh, it's just not for me though. It's just, it's too slow. Sorry. Uh, yeah, it, yeah, it's on the slower side. Um, what, oh, one thing about all these records is I'm, I'm very surprised how old some of these are and how fucking good they still sound. There are, there are songs like, like Blue and Green, right? You can, the bass and the drums are just holding it down and they sound fucking great. Like some of the stuff that would normally be buried under something else, like you can hear like individual cymbal hits in this. And this was recorded in 1959. And, um, <clears throat> One one thing we've taught, we've made jokes about analog versus digital. Analog equals analog, like it's, it's shit, whatever. <laughs> but but the thing about analog is that it actually can be updated to be like on par with digital. So if you if you look at like late or most like you could take the Wizard of Oz, you could find the negatives and you could make it like an actual 4K. You could like upscale it to be like true 4K. And when you had original um like the harry potter films being made or whatever that was like the shittiest possible digital so like they have to kind of have like faux 4k where it's not really 4k it's like 2k and they kind of stretch it but the other stuff like music with tape and uh, uh film with with negatives and stuff they actually can do a lot with it so even though like it's not probably the optimal way to record things there there are people who are going to tell you it's you have to do film sla or or tape slash is never going to probably do digital and Unless he's like, unless Axel Rose forces him to do it, but he's probably never going to do digital. He's always about tape. Uh, there are people like um, uh, whatever his name is who did Pulp Fiction. Uh, he has to do film. He doesn't want to do digital. And then there's people who only want to do digital. So you can do either way. But when you listen to this stuff for being so old, like it sounds fucking fantastic. It sounds really good. You can hear everybody playing. Uh, and it, it also, it's like, a, these records are a combination of a couple of things. The quality of the actual people recording, like they have microphones everywhere. Like I'm saying, you can hear like individual cymbal hits under like the band playing. When we, when we listened to Led Zeppelin, I was saying like, you could actually hear people, people say that one of the sounds of John Bonham's drumming is the squeak in his like kick drum pedal. And you can mm. fucking hear the squeak in the kick drum pedal. Like, why mm. can I hear that? I don't know. Like I shouldn't be able to hear that, but you can hear that and it sticks out and it's like his thing, I guess. Anyway, you can hear all the stuff here and it's really impressive to me that it sounds this good. I don't know when the last time they've uh, reissued this stuff or remastered or whatever, but if it sounds this good, I really want to hear what it sounds like with like more money put into it and it completely being remastered. Um, because there are programs that can like pick apart all the individual instruments and you can do all kinds of shit with it. And then also the people's like playing styles on this, like the, the notes are there. They're not fucking up. They're not messing up. They're playing. These guys are in the, their prime. They're doing really well, uh, together. They work well together. Everything's great. I don't know. This, this album to me is a banger. Uh, it's forever. It will live on forever. It's one of the most famous jazz albums of all time. And yeah, I don't know it's just nice to listen to it's 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 like there are some songs uh, that we're going to talk about in the future that are like a fever dream because they're so fast this is kind of just i don't think it's it's anything that feels so slow that it's like oh this is a slog but yeah it's it's not like that fast crazy bebop shit but which is also good i'm just saying it's not that anyway um let's read a couple youtube comments first one a long day today glass of merlot a blunt and this album life is good i hate, says, I hate no that matter person so far <laughs> a, a glass of merlot, merlot. Jomo, that's you 
That's you. No, dude, I'm I'm sniffing keys, bro. Fuck that. Yeah, true. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, next one. No matter how fast-paced my work life becomes, this album grounds me and makes everything seem better. Next one says, I'm properly drunk, and this is my jam. Uh, next one. Thank you for changing the world, Miles. And lastly, best thing about this masterpiece is just how accessible it is. Anybody could listen to it as an introduction to Miles or even jazz itself. There you go. Is there anything that anyone wants to say about Kind of Blue? My Kind of Blue is like the color those strippers uh, turn into once I'm done killing them. <laughs> yeah that's true they do turn blue they do turn blue for some odd reason <laughs> i mean someone told me <clears throat> oh well one last thing i want what's up said deoxygenated blood that's why mm. oh, continue okay. oh, yeah. now, now we know uh i uh oh yeah like a dozen times this week there are specific chords that people hit in songs and it sounds to me like it's about to turn into a Christmas song. Like it could just be me, but like I've had this experience like a dozen times where there's is a note that they hit, like a chord that they hit and it's this chord from a Christmas song. And I'm like, Oh shit. Like we going into a uh, Holy night or some shit right now, but it happened to me like a bunch of times. So if you listen to this and it happens to you, yeah, I there there's, there's bleed over of jazz and Christmas music. <laughs> All right. We ready to spin the wheel. Yeah. Yeah. Can we do Charlie Parker next? Sure, Ooh, absolutely. Let's do Charlie, Daddy. Oh. We're not even meat spinning. This is good. Let me drop the yo. Does this album artwork not look like the penguin from the second Batman movie? <laughs> Dude, it's fucking lo- reeks of Danny DeVito ness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. All right, The Magnificent Charlie Parker is a 12-track record released in 1955, coming in just over 33 minutes long. Charles Parker Jr., named Bird or Yardbird, was an American jazz saxophonist, band leader, and composer. Parker was a highly influential soloist and leading figure in the development of bebop, a form of jazz categorized by fast tempos, virtuistic technique, and advanced harmonies. He introduced volu- uh, excuse me, he introduced revolutionary rhythmic and harmonic ideas uh, into jazz, including rapid passing chords, new variant new variants of altered chords and chord substitutions. Parker acquired the name, excuse me, the nickname Yardbird early in his career on the road with Jay McShann. This and the shortened form Bird continued to be used for the rest of his life, inspiring titles of a number of Parker compositions such as Yardbird Suite, Ornithology, Bird Gets the Worm, and Bird of Paradise. Uh, the One night in 1939, Parker was playing Cherokee in a practice session with guitarist William Biddy Fleet when he hit upon a method for developing his solos that enabled uh, one of his main musical uh, innovations. Uh, he realized that the 12 semitones in the chromatic scale can lead uh, melodically to any key, breaking some of the confines of simpler jazz soloing. He recalled, I'd been getting bored with the stereotype changes that were being used all the time uh, at the time, and I kept thinking there's bound to be something else. I could hear I could hear it sometimes, but I couldn't play it. Well, that night I was working over Cherokee, and as I did, I found that by using uh, the higher interv- intervals of a chord as a melody line and backing them with appropriately related changes, I could play the things I'd been hearing. I came alive. Because of the two-year musician's Union ban on all commercial recordings from 1942 to 1944, much of bebop's early development was not captured. As a result, it gained limited radio exposure and bebop musicians had a difficult time gaining widespread recognition. It was not until 1945 when the recording ban was lifted that Parker's collaborations with Dizzy Gillespie, Max Max Roach, Bud Powell, and others had substantial effect on the jazz world, and bebop soon gained wider appeal among musicians and fans alike. Parker's life was riddled with mental health problems and an addiction to heroin. Although it was 
unclear which came first. His addiction to opiates began at the age of 16 when he was injured in a car crash, and a doctor prescribed morphine for the pain. The addiction that stemmed from uh, this incident led him to miss performances and to be considered unreliable. In the jazz scene, heroin... Uh, use was prevalent, and the substance could be acquired with little difficulty. On March 12, 1955, while visiting his friend, the Jazz Baroness, Charlie Parker died. The coroner cited pneumonia as the cause and estimated Parker's age at 55 or 60, although he was only 34. Jumbo, what do you think of Charlie Parker? Bro, this is my tempo, man. It's fast, it's flashy, it makes me want to jerk off. Um, I, I Though I never got into Charlie Parker prior to this week, um... Uh, it's it's more swing and soulful jazz than fucking Miles Davis. Miles Davis is like a watered down Charlie Parker. Oh, I said it. I said I'm getting in trouble. All right. Um, it, there's there's like this one song that just ruined my fucking life. Uh, in the still of the night is a fucking nightmare fever dream song. It is the type of shit where you're dreaming like you're running through your high school or uh, anywhere completely naked, right? And you're just covering your dick and just running and out of embarrassment, right? Um, it's that type of dream, bro. I listened to it. I was like, next. Uh, this is fucking, fucking my whole life up. Um, Old Folk sounds like a bad like ending for a uh, like a horror film. I just don't like it. So all, all in all, like the, the, the non-weird songs on this album, great. They're, they're all, it's my tempo. It's fast. It's good. It's easy listening. Um, and it keeps you engaged. Um, I got a fear boner from listening to this. Um, Charlie Parker, um, He's not that bad, you know. I never. I've heard of John Coltrane, heard of a lot, lot of other saxophone uh, players, man, and just like Charlie Parker's, just I guess more. He's more upbeat, man. I like it, but you definitely tell he was a little bit coked out. Uh, he was on some shit. Um, favorite song was a uh, blues uh, for Alice. I would say it's not a bad song. Seven for ten for me for the week. It's not a bad album. Um, it, it's stuff that uh, even Jack Falcon can comprehend. Yeah, no, I, th- this is way above me. Uh, yeah, so Charlie Parker, ha- he has a really good story of like determination and being the best. So some of this stuff, I don't know which of this is like tall tale shit. Uh, I'm pretty sure like early on in his career, he got booted from a gig because like the other musicians said like he wasn't up to par, right? Now this part comes from um, Wikipedia, but I'm pretty sure it's, r- it, well, I mean, it's right, but I'm pretty sure like this all goes together because of that. So in the mid 1930s, Parker began to practice diligently during this period he mastered improvisation and developed some of the ideas that led uh, to the later development of bebop in an interview with paul desmond parker said that he spent three to four years practicing up to 15 hours a day so um i wanted to bring up neil pert i brought him up earlier uh, with some guy shitting on him because <clears throat> i was i neil pert has a quote no because neil pert has a quote where he said like i wasn't talented but i was relentless like i i wasn't given the gift like when i sat in front of a drum set i wasn't just fucking amazing i had to practice and all, all the time and so charlie parker there there's a couple musicians that have this it's like their turnaround from being okay to like god tier is almost so quick that I'm like, this motherfucker sold their soul. I don't get how the transformation can happen like that. I've said that about the musicians in Children of Bodom. Uh, and then people like will say that about Charlie Parker. Like he, uh, So at one point, people are like, yo, get the fuck out of here. You suck or whatever. He buckles down. He practices. He, he becomes as best as he can be. And he comes back and he's like one of the greatest uh saxophone players of all time everyone knows about him he's jamming with everybody and so he yeah he had that mentality like i i i i gotta fucking practice i have to become the best and i love that about him there's a great movie called whiplash about um 
jazz drumming. It has Miles Teller in it, it has J.K. Simmons about the, about this kid who uh, goes to college and he wants to be the best j jazz drummer. And then you have J.K. Simmons who runs the jazz group and he is trying to kind of one wants to become the perfect musician and one is trying to create the perfect musician. And the whole issue with like J.K. Simmons is that like he he has seen some of the most famous jazz players, Miles Davis, whatever, Charlie Parker, whoever. <clears throat> and naturally, without an education or without going to college for this, they become some of the best of all time. And he has never been able to mold that himself. So he's trying to create the greatest jazz musician of all time in almost like a vacuum where you have everything to provide to the person, uh, whereas the other ones are kind of like in chaos where it just happens. Uh, not for like lack of trying or lack of practicing, but... <clears throat> They didn't need somebody else to mold them into that. And so it's this kind of pull and push of the two fighting each other and trying to create something. It's a really fucking good movie. It's kind of hard to watch. The ending is really fucking good. But yeah, jazz is, gets crazy. And the movie, I think it shows a pretty good representation of like people who really want something and like where, like how far they will go to get it. Um, oh, another thing. It's a good thing that we have official releases from musicians. When I was going to get some comments for the YouTube comments for Charlie Parker, there are full two hour long videos that say Charlie Parker's greatest hits. And then when I'm reading the comments, someone's like, Charlie Parker isn't on one song on this entire fucking video. So it's good that there are official releases from the musicians and their estates and their families or whatever. Uh, and there's actually a lot of good, even though having to take like jazz class in college is kind of fucking lame unless you want to go to school for that. They do have uh, like official releases through schools and stuff and it's important because there's a lot of people listening to these on youtube and they think they're listening to the actual person and they're really not um so i don't know why those videos are out there because it's not like they're someone's putting their own shit out and having credits to themselves they're just saying this is charlie parker and it's not anyway yeah this this is a good collection of songs uh, this was recorded in january and august 1951 um include miles davis is on here uh charles mingus is on here gil evans is on here max roach we've heard his name a bunch of times uh kenny clark is on here there's a bunch of people on here and i believe what they were trying to do is take all of um charlie parker's singles that were on uh whatever record label he was on and get them together and recorded uh like at one time or a couple times but like in a few sessions to to put this out yeah the the thing about like this music is i i whenever i hear it i listen to the trumpet trombone or saxophone like going crazy i'm always trying to picture what it would be like on a guitar uh there's probably someone who's playing who's transcribing these solos onto the guitar and it's something that i would like to listen to it's it's interesting to to see like the difference between between the instruments um and the yeah, one thing I think that Charlie Parker does really well is that he makes these he makes everything he does sound so easy like he's not trying and I and he does he does that like really well like the notes are correct they're smooth they're clear you never hear like breathing or like missing anything and I when I hear it it's it kind of makes you feel like you could do it but you really couldn't but he has that where it's like so smooth and it's so it just feels like it's so well done that it's it's it seems like it doesn't like he it's not taking a lot out of him to do it but he's just so good that he's able to make it seem that way rob what do you think of charlie parker 
Okay, so first I'm going to do like an abstract thing. Okay, so imagine uh, me in 2003. I was playing in four bands. I was having terrible and frequent headaches, and they seemed to intensify when I was listening to heavy music with screaming, so I quit most of my bands, telling them that I was allergic to metal or something like it. I then I, I then I started making music with Jack, who promised we'd make something like Pink Floyd. We then wrote metal music. I did not get any headaches playing with Jack, so I kept going. Some people from that era still have not forgiven me because I sounded like a huge phony. I promised that I wasn't making up a lie to get out of these bands. I was having headaches. I, bl I blame the autism or maybe overworking. Uh, anyways, after quitting most of the metal bands, I went in and out of a jazz period. I listened to jazz records, but most importantly, I went to live jazz shows and I had friends to, to invite me and take me to jazz shows. These are things that I, I, I felt at those live shows that I basically still chase to this day and rarely get. Let's say that for most of my life at school and at work, I've felt like prey, like every damn person is a wolf in sheep's clothing and they're watching my every move and they're looking for their chance to pounce. I'd hide as best as I could. They'll ask me questions to draw me out and pounce on shit I say. It's a world of trick questions and punishments. It's restricting. It's full of fear, distrust, and trying to stay hidden in your cave. This is the exact opposite of how I'd feel at a good jazz show where everything opened up. I was free to walk out of my hiding place. Not just walk, but far more than that. In fact, I felt like there were millions of options before me, and I had the power to, and the reason to create. All I had to do was practice and find a crew that I gelled with. This was empowerment. This was freedom. Jazz, at its best, would light me up in this way. Sometimes I got these feelings from jazz records, but it was more subdued. I love recorded music, but jazz is one where I feel you can't truly replicate the experience without experiencing it live and in person. So, uh, back, so like, that's something that I wrote about jazz in general. And uh, I wanted to add, like, I've gone through periods where, like, I'm listening to jazz a lot. Uh, and, like, I'd even find a band like... Uh, Oh, fuck, I forgot the name of it, but like Born Bear uh, Club of Gore or something like that. Like it's like a, a, a they call it doom jazz where it's super fucking slow. And it's like think about like it's 40 percent less complex than kind of blue or something like that. But it's just like slow, doomy sounding shit. And if to me, it fucking works because there's some like as much as I fucking love stonery metal which is like like distorting a guitar and ringing out distorted guitar for 20 minutes i love that but i also love music that has no fucking distortion at all if you got fucking saxophones and dark sounding pianos and and like you know back to what you're saying a second ago jack like you know jazz guitar i can't say that i love it better better than metal but like it's it's like apples and oranges why would you compare them like it, there's something about jazz guitar too um so i don't know i i uh there is something about the jazz sound uh sometimes i connect sometimes i don't like uh charlie parker i'm giving it third for the week because it's more my tempo uh i don't i don't know that uh, okay, so if, if I'm going to pick a song that I want to make a comment on, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick on CC, okay? So back to the, like, um, uh, kind of blue, does it have any melodies that I recognize? Uh, no, it doesn't. CC, I don't know that I would recognize this melody, but I, I like, at some point in my, in my life, I would have said that this song is gibberish. But the thing is, when I listened to it this week, there's two instruments doing the same exact 
intricate, complex line. You got a saxophonist and I don't know a bassoon. I'm 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 I'm, I'm ignorant. You know, I don't I don't know what these instruments are. I, I like I, I never played in jazz band. All I know is like doot duty fucking whatever. You got these two instruments playing this complex shit like that. That is not improvised. Okay. I I used to wonder how it is that jazz musicians know how to read each other's minds or whatever. It's not reading minds. It's uh. I don't know. It's a fucking language. And uh, like you, you're talking about uh, the real book, that's uh, the, the, this is one of those songs you'd probably find in the real book, I would imagine, because if you're going to have people playing the exact like uh, complex uh, line, they're both reading off of it. I don't see how else you, uh, you, you, you do that. But um, I admire shit like that because like um, as so, like at a certain point i like my musical career was all improvisation and i thought that that uh anything written was fucking lazy and uh like a crutch and then at a certain other point in my life i'm like no improvising is a crutch like that's that's how you get out of memorizing anything and like mem by memorizing shit like having something complicated that you memorize uh and then having your band agree that's the thing we should all do at this point and all that uh th that that opened up a new uh gate for me so like uh when I'm when I'm listening to that, I'm like, okay, yeah, Charlie Parker's my guy. I I like this shit. Um, okay, yeah. Now I want to talk. Like, I I love the story that like uh, that you just told me. And and uh, we're gonna we're we're gonna, th th this week in j uh, specifically. Like, I'm really connecting to the stories that uh, about like the the fucking mythology behind these people. Okay, so you you told me that uh, Charlie Parker was really into heroin, and then. Uh, he he was obsessed with like transitions. He was kind of like 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 I love music, but there's something fucking boring about transitions. There's something wrong here. And then he has like the the fucking divine inspiration of like my problem is the transitions, and I have something in my head. Like there's a voice in my head telling me what the answer is, but I can't fucking crack the code. And uh, but like somehow divine inspiration again he's like okay like i i can ma i can make it fucking happen i can make uh i can use any of the 12 uh notes chromatically to to make new transitions and then like from that point he starts doing it incorporating it into his career and then everyone hears him do it and then and then it fucking changes jazz i fuck like that's my belief in god right there like where like like everyone is fucking stuck in the same place one person like is trying to crack the code and then does and then that frees everybody like that's that's fucking god right there uh uh but and then like he was unreliable because uh he was doing heroin and then he's dead by 35 and even though the doctors assumed he was 60 you know i i um i i i have so many memories of being in a certain age and like you know wondering if um I'm like the the people I'm working with. I'm like they could be fucking Van Halen if they would practice, but they 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 all they want to do is do drugs, and some of them are dead now, and uh, other other ones just uh, never fucking had the follow through, and uh, uh, other people fucking. I I love the story you're telling me about uh, fucking Whiplash, like the the dude who fucking puts the effort in, and like the dude who wants it to happen but can't and then uh like i don't know there's there's so much there uh but uh i don't know i think it's uh i i i i hold on to the story of uh, uh, you know, people's drug use or whatever. I stayed away from it. I remember how many people told me uh, to do it. They told me that I can't be like a good musician without doing drugs. I had my own 
uh, fucking descent into alcoholism. And then uh, I remember quitting uh, dr- drinking, and I've, I've written some good stuff since then, at least I would say. Uh, so I don't know. There's, I, I love that there's more than one story out there. I mean, fucking, um, I think... Uh, I, th- I think it's a sexy story to say like, oh, this dude is so fucking good and then he's struggling with addiction and then he died young. There's something, uh, uh, you know, a, a story needs, um, what's the word? A story needs drama. The guys who like had a normal life and lived to be an old guy, like there's no drama in that story. So we, so we, I think we uh, are biased towards telling the stories of the people who fucking do drugs and die young. But, you know, fucking uh, Charlie Parker, uh fucking revolutionized jazz so he was no fucking slouch so third place for the week that's it nice nice yeah when i when i listen to like this cd this group of songs i i i want to hear this live like in a dimly lit bar i feel like that's where these guys were were really playing regularly and it makes you wonder like where would you even hear something like that these days i don't know where would you even go to hear jazz i don't know where do people play jazz um yeah joma brought up in the still of the night everyone knows it uh this is a a definitely a different uh version than the original one the original one is more of a motown song i posted the boys to men version which is like a cover of the original one not this one but it's always fun to hear bands cover songs and make them sound completely different, uh, but still recognizable. We brought up Africa last year, uh, last week. Uh, this is the exact opposite of people covering Africa. This is exactly what I want in somebody kind of pivoting a song to a different style of music. Uh, the song on here, uh, Old Folks, it has this quartet style singing. So one thing, okay, when, when I was in the jazz band, we did have a singer. Well, there were two singers, really. The guy who played piano could sing, and then the lady who played flute or whatever it was, I don't remember what the fuck she played, she would also sing. And <clears throat> it really made it stick out, and they could duet and all this stuff. And of course, um, a, a human singing is, is going to be able to pull people in probably a lot more than than a guitar or a, a trumpet playing the melody line um and and because uh jazz is so big with trumpets and trombones and um saxophones and stuff when you finally hear like people singing it really stands out to me and it sounds really fucking good uh there's another song in here called lover man it's it's like the second to last song beautiful song one of my favorites of the entire week uh trumpets beautiful and when i think of like 1940s or 1950s music this is really what i think of and so yeah this is a great collection of songs um and yeah like a lot of this is so complex even like one week really isn't a a whole ton of time to dive into it um but yeah you can at least kind of i guess get your feet wet uh and and you can branch out from there i do want to at some point roll into the electronic versions uh or electronic era of miles davis i haven't listened to a ton of it we did uh, we did play a bit of it i think in jazz band but again it's been so long since i really listened to jazz that i don't really remember let's read a couple youtube comments first one says amazing playing parker remains unmatched next one says when the sax was invented god said i need to bring forth a musician that can bring out the beauty of this instrument thus came charlie parker next one says i hope to achieve even a sliver of greatness in my teaching and poetry as he's done with his music and impact uh next one uh the beauty of jazz music is that it's such a huge genre uh, and so many musicians to listen to that after so many years of listening to it i'm still finding out about musicians that i've never heard of and lastly i started listening to the jazz last month it's a new thing for me turning into an addiction yeah, everyone has their their lesbian era and everyone has their jazz era. Is there anything else that anyone wants to say about Charlie Parker? Next. All right, let's spin the wheel. Why are you gay? Why <clears throat> are you gay? 
One second. Hang on. Hang on. In this house, we listen to Gaylor's version. Oh, <laughs> fuck you. Yeah. All right, it's spinning. It's spinning. Uh, Jaco Pes- Pastorius. Mm. Yes. You spelled his name wrong in the thing. You spelled his name like Jacko. Shut, shut up, bitch. <laughs> uh, okay, hang on. Shut up, the... bitch. <laughs> Jemma, do you know? Do you know? Yeah, do you know anything about Jacko? Do you know anything about him? Uh, this dude. He, he's this not, dude's he's life is fucking wild. He's not alive. Yeah, his dude. His death is wild. Okay. Uh, <laughs> yes, Jackoff Pistorius. All right, so uh, Jacko uh, Pastorius, uh, his album is from 1981 called Word of Mouth. It's a seven-track record released in 1981, coming just over 44 minutes long. It's Pastorius's second, stu- uh, second solo studio album, released while he was still a member of the jazz fusion group Weather Report. Pastorius's bass style was influenced by funk and employed uh, the use of of fretless bass, lyrical solos, bass chords, and innovative use of harmonics. As of 2017, he is the only one of seven bassists, in, bassists inducted into the Downbeat Jazz Hall of Fame that have been known for their work on the electronic bass. Excuse me, the electric bass. And he has been lauded uh, as among the best bassists of all time. Pastorius uh, played a number of Fender jazz basses over the years, but the most famous was a 1962 jazz bass that he called the bass of doom at 21 pastorius uh, acquired the bass which was modified by removing the frets it's unclear when the frets were removed as his recollections varied over the years in 1986 the bass was repaired after had been being after being broken uh, after the repair pastorius recorded a session with mike stern then the bass was stolen from a park bench in manhattan in 1986 it was found in a guitar shop in 2006 but the shop owner refused to give it up while his 1976 debut solo album showcased his eclectic and impressive skills on the electric bass word of mouth focused more on his ability to compose and arrange for a larger band the album shows off pastorius's uh, skill most notably the solo opening to chromatic fantasy by j.s bach and the uh, intro track crisis which also features a fast bass pattern looping under frantic soloing among others the band included herbie hancock on keyboards wayne shorter on soprano saxophone peter erskine on drums michael brecker on saxophone and toots fellman's on harmonica the first 50,000 copies of word of mouth lacked credits for all participating musicians as the result of a lawsuit against warner brothers cbs for forbade the names of a few of the less well-known musicians to be mentioned on the sleeve pastorius defiantly replied that if they can't be listed then no one will be listed uh, on the last cop on the uh, later copies of the albums all the musicians all of the musicians names were listed on september 11th 1987 pastorius snuck on stage at a Santana concert uh, at the Sunrise Musical Theater in Sunrise, Florida. After being ejected from the premises, he made his way uh, to the Midnight Bottle Club. After reportedly kicking in a glass door, having been refused entrance to the club, he became involved in a violent conversa- confrontation with a club employee who was a martial arts expert. Cool. You, know, <laughs> you remember when keeping it real goes wrong? That's oh, yeah. the situa- yeah. situation right here. Uh, Pastorius was hospitalized for multiple facial fractures and injuries to his right eye and left arm and fell into a coma. There were uh, encouraging signs that he would come out of the coma and recover, but they soon faded. A brain hemorrhage a few days later led to brain death. He was taken off life support and died on September 21st, 1987 at the age of 35. 
So, yeah, this is the latest record we're listening to. I, I love this album. Um, I think it's cool to see the the different the difference of jazz over the years. So we listened to 1950s, 60s, and 80s this week. Um, <clears throat> so I've heard Jaco Pastorius's name like quite a bit over the years, but I don't think I've ever actually listening to him, listened to him. Uh, and then I've mentioned before like the resumes of of the musicians. His is insane as well. Uh, he was he was with other bands. He's done his. I, I don't want when I call it solo. It's like there's still a whole band backing him, like working with him. Um, but yeah, he did that. There's stuff that came out after he died. Um, oh yeah. The drums on this record are really clear. Um, and, uh, so, okay. I, one thing I want the internet to do, I'm looking for the mashup of this and Ludacris's word of mouth. I need the fucking internet to make that happen. So yeah. this album starts off with the song crisis, right? Okay. General, I think you call the song on Charlie Parker's album a fever dream, right? No, mm. Crisis is a goddamn fever dream. Oh, yeah, it's like, dude, it is absolute balls to the wall. Uh, it's it's like a perfect song to show like how nuts jazz can get. Um, the bass on it is fucking nuts. Uh, it's somewhere between the fever dream and like a good drug trip. I was gonna say a bad drug trip, but the song's legit, so it's, mm. it, I guess it would have to be a good drug trip. Um, mm. It's my favorite song on the record. I was not expecting that. And uh, Jocko himself apparently like insisted that that song go first, though. Smart move. Um, yeah, th this album... So there's a song in here called uh, Word of Mouth, which is the song that it's named after. Uh, the bass trolls on it and everything. Like, I didn't know I, need I, didn't know I, I needed it until I heard them. When, when I hear like some of the songs, like Chromatic uh, Fantasy, this is the one. I, when I'm listening to the song, I really wonder if this inspired Cliff Burton to write Pulling Teeth, which is on, I think, the debut Metallica album. It's the one that's just the bass solo. Uh, because when I listen to it, like it feels like they would go hand in hand together. And this did come out before. Uh, so, if it, I mean, he's, he's not alive anymore. But if he was and they interviewed him and he said, yeah, that, that Jaco Pastorius in general is the one who inspired me to do that, I can hear it in here. Uh, this is the second record that is going to have a cover of a Beatles song done in a jazz way. They did Blackbird. Mm. Uh, so I don't listen to the Beatles. Um, however, when I was learning to play guitar a long time ago, early into being taught, uh, my teacher did show me um, Blackbird. And so I do remember, like, I don't care about the song or anything, but like the melody I've always remembered. Um, and so like, but I recognize the song the second I heard it. It's like, wait, what is that? I got to think for, I obviously haven't listened to the song in fucking forever. But like, so it took me a second to be like, okay, what is that? Oh yeah, it is Blackbird. So uh uh, like later, we're going to talk about the last record, which covers the other Beatles song, which Nor which was Norwegian Wood. I didn't recognize the song. If I didn't see that it was the Beatles, I would have never known. Uh, however, this one, it just sticks out. It's like, you'll know it. You could play it for two fucking seconds and you'll know the song. And uh, yeah, they did a good job with it. Like this, this album has all kinds of stuff going on. There's slower stuff. Like the second song, Three Views of a Secret, uh, stark difference from fucking Crisis. Uh, still a great song. Um, and yeah, I don't know. There, there's a bunch, like these musicians complement each other. There's a ton of layers of stuff going on. It uh, really makes you think about music. It was nice to go back to jazz. I haven't really listened to it in quite a long time, but uh, again, these guys are all killing it on their instruments. The quality is there. Uh, yeah, it's, I don't know. It's fun to listen to jazz to go back to. It. I'm not, I'm not, <laughs> next time you see me, Jomo, I'm not going to be sipping fucking wine, uh, telling everyone that they need to listen to jazz and change my name mm. to like Chaz or whatever. But, uh, <laughs> it, it's, it's nice to, to listen to some, uh, Rob, what do you think of Jaco Pastorius? 
Uh, yeah, so I did know Jacko Pastorius. I don't, I don't know if I've listened to him until this week. Uh, I know that like uh, when I was 16, I was playing with a dude who loved uh, uh, Les Claypool, might have been his favorite, and then like he talked about uh, Jacko Pastorius quite a bit. Uh, he admired the fretless thing. He admired the bass chords thing. But yeah, apparently this dude, like not like dropped out of high school, but like uh, st- skipped uh, class to, to practice bass 16 hours a day. And you can fucking hear it. I mean, you listen to a song like Chromatic Fantasy. Like, I believe that this dude practiced 16 hours a day. This is active and intense bass playing. And, you know, the, 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 the you know, pe- people, it, I've always, like, I remember being fucking resentful of people who say that, like, you know, drummers have to stay in the back, bass players have to play in the back. If you want any kind of, like, personality with your music, you have to play guitar but oh there you know a, ba- a guitar is gonna a band's gonna have five people and there's only one two guitar players so everyone else just has to fucking you know uh take a fucking back seat and uh you know w- watch the guitar player steal all your your girlfriends from you potential girlfriends from you anyways uh uh singers are worse than guitar players anyways uh yeah so this album is quite uh avant-garde it's 1981 so it's like zappa zappa era I'm getting bitches brew vibes, which I really like, and it makes me really engineer energized. It makes me want to like invent a new form of grain silo. Uh, yeah, the, the Blackbird cover. You you said everything there is to say about Beatles covers. Yeah, and you you, you told me just now that uh, Chromatic Fantasy is a cover too of a fucking classical song, J J S Bach. That's fucking hilarious. Um, uh, yeah, that takes balls, and uh, and I kind of forgot how much of. Uh, you know, me, us in the modern day are so like upset that like you know it's an, it's another fucking remake of an old movie. It's another remake. It's like no, like so much of human history is 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 remaking stuff. It's like uh, in like e- even fucking Shakespeare was remaking old fucking stories. I mean, like that's that's the whole fucking thing is uh, uh, recycling your story, uh, old stories, and then making them relevant for the new day. That's uh, that's. That's ninety percent of human creation. So th- there's nothing there's nothing shameful about covering a classic song, covering a um, a Beatles song. You know, fucking do it all. Uh, I fucking love how he died in a fucking kung fu accident because he needed to sneak into a Carlos Santana concert. So like sneaking into a concert, I feel like that's like a, a musician thing to do. I I mean I I it's it's not like musicians are the only ones who fucking break the law, but I like every musician I knew like uh you know f- first of all we're all fucking poor, so most of us are like kind of in the the, the frame of mind of like okay uh, our contribution to the human race is making music. We have no money, so if we need food or whatever, we might need to steal it or fucking eat out of a dumpster or fucking whatever. But also, like, there's this, like, I don't know if you call it uh, entitlement. I, that might be too negative a word for it. But you, you're so used to, like, oh, I brought 500 people to this concert. I'm getting... $50 for it. Meanwhile, like the, 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 the venue is making 50 grand off me or whatever the number is. So it's like, okay, I'm going to sneak into the concert because I've already fucking paid with my blood, sweat and tears. I've practiced my instrument 20,000 hours already. I, like I deserve more than 50 fucking dollars and they made so much money off of me. I'm fucking sneaking in. Fuck you. Meanwhile, like the whole thing about, um, the 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 dilemma of the record label it's the same fucking thing right where it's like the record label makes 
10 or 100 times more money off of me than I do. Uh, but like, how am I going to get out of my mom's basement unless I let them fuck me to death? So like that thing where I want to see Carlos Santana, I'm sneaking in. Even if I have the money, I like the still the principle of I need to steal in order to get back against the people who steal against me. Like that's such a fucking musician thing to do. And then, uh, yeah, he picks a fight with the wrong person who fucking breaks bones in his face. And then he fucking dies of a, uh, a hemorrhage days later. I mean, that's, that's, that's a fucking brutal story and i wouldn't wish that on anybody but like uh god damn that's a fucking story um so i'm giving this second place for the week that's it bro that's jazz if if, <laughs> if you if you didn't die in a kung fu fucking fight that's not jazz you ain't jazz uh yeah, yeah uh yeah okay i think most people can cover uh like classical music right when you listen to like chromatic fantasy it's like a metal version of you know classical music is very very metal uh but this is like when you listen to it it sounds fucking great it's like a metal version of of uh the song but the thing about covering the beatles songs is what takes balls because their fans are like worse than fucking swifties and like they <laughs> they will not I, dude go go look at any there was okay so there are some bands the eagles are the worst i'm not going to pin it on the beatles the eagles are the fucking worst where their music if you go try to listen to like the greatest hits it could be on spotify but i'm talking about like a website you don't have to pay for like youtube the greatest hits is like live versions of it because they go and yank the uh like the masters down i don't know if it's the band or the record label or who the hell it is but it's somebody involved with the eagles is a fucking dickhead at one point somebody pulled down like a whole beatles album i don't remember which one it was sergeant pepper whatever like i don't care so it doesn't matter but some dude re-recorded the entire album like in his basement and the fucking comment section was the most toxic shit i've ever seen in my <laughs> life like people like shit talking the dude like bro mm. who the fuck are you anyway whatever <laughs> so the deal you know, but when jazz people cover it like they'll, they'll just tell these people to go fuck themselves it doesn't really matter like i feel mm. like the jazz guys are the ones like dropping balls like yeah they respect the mm. song they like it if you go to talk shit like well <laughs> don't fight them in a kung fu uh a match yeah. but but uh yeah these guys have balls and i i appreciate them doing it even though like I, i'm not in love with the songs but because they have the balls to do it now also the beatles i I swear we're not fucking big in the 90s. I don't remember anyone giving a shit about the Beatles in the 90s. It's a thing that's come back recently. Uh, mm. So it could also be that. I don't know. Uh, Jumbo, what do you think of Jacobistorus? Bro, it's it's like the first song. It, the first song yeah. for me. I was like, bro, this dude sounds like... like I Now I know where Sean Malone, rest in peace, like got his inspiration. It was from fucking Jacobistorus, man. Uh, everything about this... like the Okay, let's talk about the bad because that's, that's who I am. All right. First of all, Jacob Pistorius looks like a Mike Judge character from King of the Hill. It's just like it's really bad. Uh, I'm a bubble pack. Liberty City has so much going on, like the steel drums, the harmonica, bongos, everything in between, like all the instruments. It's just too much. If you listen to isolated tracks, Jacob Pistorius is a fucking legend, bro. Fretless bass. Yeah, look at this dude. He looks like a fucking, he looks like a goddamn yeah. fucking Mike Judge character, man. He looks like Boomhauer if Boomhauer was <laughs> like bi-curious or something. Or I, 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 like I don't get, I don't know. Um, but it, the music is busy as hell, man. It's like it, it just feels like a a Martin Scorsese film. Like down these mean streets, there's a lot of full frontal nudity. There's a lot of, and it's just straight up male. It's no female. Um, mm -hmm. But it's, this is like, if you listen to the bass, like you can think about Charles Mingus, stand up bass player, fucking slays it in jazz, right? But 
like Jacob Astorius is just out there, man. He's fucking well, he was. Um, he no longer is. Um, everyone mm-hmm. th- thinks you know they want to give credit, but the dude is dead. Let's let's keep it like that. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, you got a lot of people like John Myung, who from Dream Theater, who's a huge Jacob Astorius fan. But am, am I pronouncing it correct? It's P- Pastorius, right? Pastorius. Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, Pastorius. Pastor- yeah. I, so I wrote a Pastorius, but I pronounced like a fucking retard. Um, overall, I'm going like, to guess most people mispronounce this guy's name on Earth. So yeah, mm-hmm. it's okay. Yeah, he's he's got. I just know him as Weird Face McGee. Um, six for ten on the yeah, week. Yeah. Um, the dude died after getting his ass whooped. Um, that's how you know yeah. you're, you're a bitch, bro. But it is what it is. So you know the meme that's like who had this on their bingo card? When I saw when I was doing the research today and I saw he died so young, I figured it was a drug overdose. So when yeah, I saw oh, that, yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah, for sure, yeah, yeah, right. And when I saw it, I was like, really? Okay, yeah, all right. I didn't have that on the bingo card. Uh, yeah, you brought up Liberty City. Yeah, okay. Songs like that is like why I love uh, when bands work together. There are bands that people try to do everything themselves, and that's fine. They make it work. Um, this is a 12-minute long song. Uh, there's no bullshit. These dudes are seasoned pros. They're fucking feeding off of each other. And I don't know. When I hear it, it's like it's a group fucking effort. So, yeah, this is noted as a solo record, but there's a whole band behind him playing playing with him. Uh, yeah, Crisis is just, once you hear that, that song has to have inspired so many bass players because it's so ridiculous. Like, in a good way. It's insane. It's like, I don't know, when you when you start listening to a lot of, like, the stand-up bass players uh, who are, like, doing walking bass lines and not just hitting roots, it, it really, I think, is inspirational to a lot of people. Uh, let's read a couple YouTube comments. First one says, Jacko is an, uh, another level. He is in my soul forever. Next one says, absolute number one album of all time. Next one, Crisis is if... An F5 tornado was a song. Yes, I agree, 100%. Uh, next one says, Jocko, we trust. And lastly, if I ever find a girl who loves three views of a secret as much as I do, I will ask her to be my life partner until death, whoever she is. I hope you find her. Mm. Is she yeah. out there, Joma? No, not at all. It's all. It's a big fucking <laughs> it's a guy. guy. It's a guy. It's a <laughs> she's out there, it's a dude. She, she, yeah. No, she, no she's out there. She's out there. Yeah, she's out there to take half your shit. Well, yeah, of course. I mean, we know that. All right. Does anyone need to use the bathroom? Are we ready to 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 power through? Power through. Okay, Buddy Rich. uh, Big Big Swing Face is a nine-track live record released in 1967, coming in just over 36 minutes long. Bernard Buddy Rich was an American jazz drummer, songwriter, conductor, and band leader. He is considered one of the most influential drummers of all time. Uh, Rich was known for his virtuoso technique, power, and speed. He was an advocate for the traditional grip, although he occasionally used match grip when playing the toms. I have no clue what the fuck that means. Uh, Despite his commercial success and musical talent, Rich never learned how to read sheet music preferring to listen to drum parts and play them from memory. A reissue in 1996 doubles the listing with nine unreleased additional performances from the same engagement at the Shea Club in uh, Hollywood, including Standing Up Standing up uh, in a Hammock, Chicago, Lament for Lester, Machine, Silver Threads, Among the Blues, New Blues, Old Timey, Loose, and Apples. Uh, the Beat Goes On is a feature for Buddy Rich's daughter, Kathy, whose vocal performance was overdubbed at United Recording in Hollywood. I'm going to bring this up uh, in a minute. Uh, next, uh, yes. see, Big, <laughs> Big Swing Face includes arrange, arrangements of songs by the Beatles, Young, Holt, Trio, Fred Fisher, Sonny Bono, and the New Orleans Rhythm Kings. Uh, that's That sounds like a gang. Anyway, uh, Rich, Rich toured and performed until the end of his life. In early March 1987, he was touring in New York when he was hospitalized after suffering a paralysis 
uh, on his left side that physicians believed to have been caused by a stroke. He was transferred to California to UCLA Medical Center in Los Angeles for tests where doctors discovered uh, and removed a brain tumor. He was discharged a week later, but continued to receive daily chemotherapy treatments at the hospital. On October 2nd, 1987, he died of unexpected respiratory and cardiac uh, failure after a treatment related to the malignant brain tumor. He was 69. Rob, what do you think of Big Swing Face? Uh, so, uh, I'm giving this number one for the week. Okay, so they say that uh, ego is a problem. Like, ego is, like, is, like among drummers and maybe other musicians, but especially among drummers, it's like, uh, it, it shrinks your growth. Like, if you think you know everything, you aren't going to learn everything. And then, like, every other good player you're going to see as competition to fucking, like, backstab or, or like, you know, uh, you know, uh, but but if, if if you don't have an ego problem, you can learn from your competition and uh, you know and grow. And the, as far as working with other musicians, they say that anyone with an ego is a fucking nightmare to work with. They're always picking a fucking fight. Whereas every everyone who's like a uh, you know, doesn't have a huge ego. You can joke around with them. You can give them suggestions. You know, you're just more open to discussion and, uh, you know, working well with each other. So they always say that, like, attitude and not having a big ego is, like, the best thing you can do to grow and to always have work. Uh, so that, yeah, so, like, be, ego is your fucking enemy when it comes to, uh, to, to, to being a musician, and it's, like, the thing that makes you fucking bad. The exception being Buddy Rich, who is as good as he thinks he is. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, yes, yes. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, I, I, I like this record a lot. I like the tempo of it. And specifically, there's a lot of tunes on this record. Like I was saying, like, uh, if, if Kind of Blue has no fucking melodies that leap out to me, this album has several that leap out to me. These are fucking tunes. Like, I, uh, I, can, I can imagine having these in my head. Um, and, okay, yeah. So uh, it starts off with uh, an intro. Like he's like, if you, if you don't like how you sound on this recording, come back tomorrow. Like that's a fucking good joke. Keep buying more tickets. Like it's there's <laughs> there's a certain amount of ego there, but it's like uh, it's welcoming too. I don't know. And then uh, I didn't know that Norwegian Wood was a Beatles cover until okay. Well, I I did know because um, there's there's a there's a Haruki Murakami book called Norwegian Wood and he loves the Beatles so like uh yeah so that's I fucking love that song I love that they did it um monitor theme that's a fucking tune give me more than that uh whack whack is another fucking tune uh but that's that's another cover and again like there's nothing fucking shameful about covering other songs and uh I don't know I like the Buddy Rich version better so like there's nothing shameful about that uh, Willowcrest has atmosphere that reminds me of Time Out by Dave Brubeck, uh, except it's in 3-4, not 5-4. I listened to a bunch of Dave Brubeck. I don't know that he's the best or the worst. All I know is that he was doing odd time signature jazz, and he's got fucking balls of steel for doing that. But yeah, I really like... Um, yeah, so when you think about what music can do for me, one thing is like... When I say the word tune, I'm thinking of catchy. Like if I'm having a bad fucking day and some uh, like a tune, like something memorable can pull me out of that atmosphere. Like, uh, you know, maybe I'm maybe I'm trying to fucking code or do something on my computer at like s something that's pulling me out of that is 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 counter to the task at hand but something with atmosphere might put me in the mood to do the thing that I need to do so like atmosphere is a fucking good one um I love uh 
What's the song called? Uh, the beat goes on. He says, my daughter will sing. It's her first time in front of an audience. She's 12 years old and she's drunk. <laughs> yes. What, uh, I assume this is a joke. Uh, I mean, I, th- uh, I don't know if uh, people were more okay with uh, child uh, j- uh, j- drunkenness back in those days. Uh, maybe they were, maybe they weren't. I also think that fucking everyone drank back then. Um, fuck it, I don't know. Yeah, I re- I like this album quite a bit. It's the one I listened to uh, the most. Um, first place for the week. That's it. Yeah, I I love the intro on this record. Uh, it's so good. Yeah, we're we're gonna play this a couple nights. If you don't like what you did today, come back. So good. Everyone laughs. This guy can definitely work a room. Um, I'm giving this number two for the week. I could listen to this mm-hmm. endlessly. Mm-hmm. Um, here's the thing: like this record is recorded live over the course of a few nights, and it still sounds fucking incredible. Uh, and it's a really fun record to vibe out to. Like Rob said, there's a bunch of songs on here that are uh, covers or just they're jazz versions or whatever of of uh, like big band versions of other band songs. Um, so yeah, again, I'm trying to think of a place that would host something like this. I feel like it's going to be like a uh, what do you call it, a speakeasy or something. I don't know where you would see this, but I want to see this. I want to see somebody do this entire fucking record. So okay, the song that you brought up, the beat goes on. He says yes. That my daughter is singing. She's 12. Whatever. Um, so you, everybody knows the song. First of all, if you think you don't, go listen to it. You're gonna know it in two seconds. Um, it, this is it. The beat goes on is very possibly like my favorite song here because like her like her like when she sings it's really good and um it's again I was mentioning how the human voice will pull can pull you in a lot easier than like a trumpet playing the line and I'm glad that they brought her in for this she did a good good job however online it says it was overdubbed so I don't either there's some fucking studio trickery going on here or the internet is wrong because yeah he says here's my daughter she's 12 she's drunk or whatever and she plays. Uh, so I don't know either she sang and it wasn't great and somehow they pulled out her singing and they overdubbed it, uh, or the internet's fucking wrong. I don't know. Regardless, it's a banger of a song. Uh, drums are really good in it. Live forever. Uh, Norwegian wood is the, uh, opener of this. It is a Beatles song. I had to go listen to the Beatles song because I didn't know it. Uh, I like this version more. Now the Beatles song is, is kind of boring, but at least it isn't boring. And in four, four, that song is either in three, four, six, eight, or 12, eight. I don't know which one. I don't think anybody knows which one, but it's a, at least it's not boring and in four, four. So good for them for that. But, uh, Norwegian wood done here. It's good. Uh, let's see a couple other things. Yeah. So again, like when I think about the technology at the time, like this just sounds really fucking good. So this was remastered or I should say this was reissued in 1996. So if someone was like, I love big swing face, but I want more of it. They pretty much doubled the album. They give you nine more songs. Um, and it's, uh, that half is either the same length or longer. Uh, anyway, it's cool. Like it's cool that this stuff exists. That the tapes have to be somewhere. I, I I'm surprised how many things were made. I don't know, 70 years ago and they still have the negatives. Like, why are you like, before you knew you were going to be able to sell that, why would you store this shit? A lot of it is, is stored in like salt mines or whatever, because it's really dry tape and uh, film is like very flammable. I think they both, are. I know film is, I'm going to, I think tape is as well. Uh, that's why like a lot of movies are lost because they just spontaneously combust uh, and then they don't have them anymore. But if they do have this, yeah, I would love to hear what this sounds like completely redone with digital technology. Um, a couple other songs we want to talk about. Let's see. Yeah, Big Swing Face. Uh, 
I don't know. It's like I just want to see this whole this whole thing play live. There's a lot of charm here. There's a lot of great musicianship here. Uh, yeah, Whack Whack is one of the most uh, fun songs in the set. Uh, I, I must have heard the original version because like the melody stuck out to me immediately. I don't know if I went back to listen to that one, but uh, I, I'm pretty sure I've heard the original. Like went back to listen to the original one. I mean, but I'm pretty sure I've heard it at some point. But yeah, there's a lot of cool stuff here. He's a he's a really great drummer, and it's it's another guy that I need to go and. Uh, Listen to more of his stuff. Uh, Jomo, uh, what do you think of Big Swing Face? Dude, this is probably one of my favorite Buddy Rich fucking albums. For you to rate it number two, I wanted to fucking just ISIS cut your head off for fucking disrespecting <laughs> him. How fucking dare you? Everything front to back. Norwegian Wood, boom, banger. Big Swing Face, boom, banger. Monitor theme, boom, banger. Whack, whack. That sounds like, it's like an opening song to like a mafia movie, bro. It, it just makes sense to me. Love for Sale. That's it's my wife's favorite fucking song. It's not mine, but it's my wife's favorite fucking song. Mexicali knows what does that mean? I like racist a little bit. Like I like racial. I don't like racism. Okay, um, Willow Crest, uh, another great song. The beat goes on. The kid ruined it, but whatever. We'll, we'll move past that. Nice. Um, Bugle call rag, bro. Let's take a fucking minute to appreciate how well of a fucking drummer Buddy Rich actually was he inspired fucking everyone you name it neil pert fucking uh, uh what's the dude from fucking dave matthew man carter buford he like carter buford saw buddy rich when he was a kid and said i'm gonna be a fucking drummer bro buddy rich is the fucking man he has to be one of the if not the greatest fucking drummers of all time bro and everyone says oh what about this person what about that part who gives a flying fucking Fuck, bro. No one gives a fuck. If you're not Buddy Rich, you ain't shit, bro. The dude, by the way, huge asshole to everyone. Treated everyone like shit, but by God, he's a fucking genius, bro. And and he was mentioned, what, in fucking Whiplash as, like, the, it, it was uh, Miles Teller's character's fucking inspiration. Like, he wanted to be Buddy Rich. He, so much so that he would fucking break up with a hot bitch. Yeah, uh, get rid of his box spring to make him. Yep. He would put himself down until he was at the level of Buddy Rich. That's how you know how much of an inspiration someone is, bro. This this dude was by far one of the best drummers of all time, and he doesn't get enough respect. And this is why I want to do this episode because Buddy Rich is often overlooked by all these fucking hack drummers now. Um, what's that, that Siberian fucking Sib- Hispanic Siberio guy, whatever his name is, yeah. that, that dude yeah. ruined a fucking Rush song. He he ruined a fucking Tom Sawyer by filling it with a bunch of fucking bullshit fucking speed that didn't make any fucking sense. There was no style. It's just spazzy and fast. Who gives a fuck? When you listen to Buddy Rich, you listen to every little fucking thing. Um, you listen to fucking... Oh my god! I just like I, I think I'm coming. Yep, I just came in my pants. Um, just talking about Buddy Rich, man. It, like, I, I I just ask anyone, the few people who do listen to the show, just put on Buddy Rich, bro. Listen to Big Swing Face, and I promise you, you will not be disappointed. You'll you'll fucking leave your wife and kids. You'll go to a fucking band camp, and then you'll become a drummer. That's all I gotta say. N- best album of the <laughs> week. Uh, top ten in my life for our albums. Nice. So the recording quality, I want to bring it up again. <laughs> like this album does not sound live. However, you can hear like the crowd talking or uh, like coming through at certain points or clapping at the end. And I don't know, I, I'm just blown away how good this shit sounds for being live. It's crazy because mm-hmm. the other ones, even though like if the Miles Davis one is 
when we talked about <laughs> Oingo Boingo, How they did you? they did a live re-recording of like their hits, uh, but it was it was faux live. It was live, but there was no there was I guess it's still live, but there was no audience there. This is live in front of an audience. I mean, even if you were to do this over the course of like five days, like you did do a whole week or whatever, seven days, and you pick the best cuts from all of them, still you have to be on point. And when, like the length of some songs, not necessarily in this album, when we talk about Kind of Blue, like some of the songs like, you know, 10 minutes, Jacob Astorias had some songs that are like 12 minutes. When I played a show the other day, what guitar player couldn't make it, right? So I had to play both guitars. And it was fucking exhausting. And that set was like 20-something minutes long. And so it's like, I have to remember everything. I have to be on fucking time for everything. So for playing these you know, these complicated big band things for 12 minutes at a fucking time, like that's seasoned shit, man. That's that's people who are in their in their element. Like they're they're preparing. You're not just picking up a trumpet. Have you ever played a trumpet? Like your lips will be tired of shit in two seconds. So these dudes are playing for 12 minutes at a time. I was not like the entire time of the song but they're playing for a while so yeah everybody like okay you know we have ai now do you think that a jaco pastorius buddy rich miles davis charlie parker cd made by ai would be good or would be bad um I would, minus charlie part minus uh miles davis would be awesome you think he would take, you think he would take it down I, I i i'm not no i'm not a miles davis fan like he just he didn't yeah. do it for me yeah i hear you just like your mom um, didn't do it for me thanks Jim. that's really nice of you um anyway yeah it's it's a great record i love this album i love all of them uh it was fun to listen to all right let's read a couple comments and get the fuck out of here first god gave us buddy rich next one says that bone next one one of the greatest of all time next god i love this more than i thought i'd love any piece of jazz and lastly what an amazing band and arrangements i agree with all of it is there anything that anyone wants to say about any of these people or jazz in general or anything in general me uh so yeah, but Buddy Rich uh, was the drummer in the Muppet Show. He did uh, Animal, and one of the like. First of all, I don't know if uh, how lucrative the Muppet Show was. I mean, may- maybe, but uh, maybe it was lucrative, but probably not. I mean, I doubt anyone on Sesame Street makes a ton of money. I mean, it makes enough money to keep going, but uh, I think that's like a, a a passion thing. Like, I don't, I don't think that uh, he did that job to become a fucking millionaire. I think it was just. Uh, you know, uh, a quality chance to play quality music uh, that means something. But yeah, like that fucking scene where, so it's Buddy Rich versus Buddy Rich. And now, uh, <laughs> um, and yeah, one, one thing uh, they say about the Muppets is Jim Henson did his best to make every guest feel like a million bucks. So like, uh, uh, you know, uh, like uh, whether Steve Martin's on uh, uh, or like uh, Dom DeLuise, like, you know, they're, they're, every, everyone's being complimented. But so, so when I say that Buddy Rich beat Buddy Rich and it does so it does so in a way that's very flattering to Buddy Rich. I don't know. The scene's fucking hilarious. You can watch it on YouTube. Uh, yeah. Love it. That's it. Yeah, the so everyone when you're a kid loves the Muppets. I think there's a falling out at some point where people are like, I'm too cool for the Muppets, at least I was. And then like I completely went back, reversed 180, and was like, yo, the Muppets are legit. Um, Jumbo, you want to say anything else? Bro, Buddy Rich, best drummer of all time. Eat my ass. Mm. <laughs> oh, yeah. Very, very well put. I like it. Okay. We ready to get out of here? Yeah. yeah who are we doing next week? I'm picking Guar, dude. Oh, nice. no! <laughs> Oh, fuck. <laughs> I don't give a fuck. Fuck you. Eat my ass. I'm picking Guar. I've been thinking about it now ever since I, whenever I got brought up. I, I hate Probably you. Me. I hate you. You're, 
You're going to love it. All right. Don't you worry. Don't you worry. <laughs> I'm not looking forward to this. All right. Take care, everyone. <laughs> take care.